Uh, okay, Luke chapter 7, verse 42. The Bible says, uh, picking up where in the middle here, about the parable with the, the, that the Lord brought up with the creditor and the two debtors. Verse 42 says, And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto, unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped, wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said uh, to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. So this woman, uh, as we said this morning, this woman was forgiven by the Lord apparently previously. Show it, and then she comes and she shows this act of love with great boldness. And in verse 47, uh, I want to read verse 47 because for a long time this verse was a difficult verse for me when I read it. If you read it carefully, uh, it, 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 has a, it has a sound that I think is a little confusing. Verse 47 says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. For she loved much. That sounds at first glance like it's, it, sound like, it sounds like she was forgiven because she loved. But it's actually saying the opposite. It's actually saying she loved because she was forgiven much. And we know that because of the following uh, clause there. It says, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And this, of course, fits right into the, the modern mentality of, of course, uh, everybody would like to say, oh, oh, yes, Jesus will forgive you if you just love and that's, everybody wants to talk about love, and nobody knows what love is. You know, everybody wants to talk about love, but love is elusive from most people in this world. They don't know what it means. Uh, but it sounds nice, so we say it, and it, it fits right into that, that idea that the Lord forgave this lady because of her love. Actually, she loved the Lord because of the, the Lord forgiving her great sins, and and uh, so we, we talked about that. I wanted to clarify that a little bit. And then I wanted to get into this idea of forgiveness. This idea of forgiveness. Let me give you a few definitions. For those of you who are word nerds, and I am a word nerd, um, uh, I spent in Cambodia, I spent a lot of time, probably hundreds of hours, looking at the dictionary. I, I'm just guessing, looking at the dictionary. Part of the reason is because I didn't know what the Cambodian words meant, so I had to look them up. But part of it is because I enjoyed doing that. I don't read the dictionary. I have a friend who reads a dictionary, who or used to read a dictionary as a kid, Matt Brown. But, uh, and he's, he's preached here. But I don't do that. I'm not that bad. But I do like looking up words. So I want to give you a little bit about the, uh, this meaning. I, I looked these words up. My preferred dictionary is the Oxford English Dictionary Unabridged. And if you have a Greenville library card, you can look at that, you can go to the website and look at that dictionary, the unabridged dictionary. 
This dictionary is this big. I'm not joking. It's enormous. But you can read it for free. And that's my preferred one. This one I always use for studying the Bible because it has excellent definitions. And I want to go over a few of those with you. The word forgive, as we look at this word forgiveness, it's a, a fantastic word. An absolutely fantastic word. Uh, and, and not just the word, but the concept. See, the reason I say that is because in, in, in Cambodia, where we ministered for 12 years, the idea of forgiveness is totally foreign. It does not exist. It does not exist. The Cambodian, to the Cambodian mind and, and religion, uh, the, the, what, they, what they believe, their kind of axiom or their, their central tenet, is they say, and what that means is, if you do sin, you get sin. If you do good, you get good. Basically, that's, that's, that's what that means. So, What does that mean in regards to forgiveness? That means when you do sin, you are going to get that bad karma that comes from that sin, no matter what, it will happen. There is no opportunity to be absolved or forgiven or, 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 or pardoned. There is no pardon. There is no God to pardon. When you sin, you're ultimately sinning against a, a force, this karma force that they believe is out there and exists. And, and when you sin, it sets in motion things in the universe that, that will eventually in this life or maybe in a, a, a subsequent uh, reincarnation, will come upon you and there is no one to forgive you. There is no one that can stop it. It is an immutable law of the universe. But in reality, there is a God. And because there is a God, there is opportunity for forgiveness. And what does that mean? You see, when we sin against God and we transgress His Word and we, we violate His commands, with that violation, with that trespass, comes retribution, punishment. Right? I mean, the Bible says what? The wages of sin is death. And we talked about this morning, morning in the Garden of Eden, one little sin, one little sin, and Adam and Eve were both expelled from the garden and from God's presence forever. One little sin. So, with this idea of, of forgiveness, there is, a, there is a person. When we sin, we, we violate God's law. We are accountable to God. And with that violation comes retribution. That's one thing we have to understand when we talk about sin. Every sin has a punishment. Every sin has a, 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 some sort of a, a punishment, some sort of retribution that is prescribed by the Lord. And just because we haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it's not there. And just like in, just like in, uh, in, in human law, in, government, in the government, whenever there is a, you know, you know, they talk about it now, that, you know, with all the different things that are flying through the government, like, it's just, just, just crazy. It's crazy. 
But they make laws and then they, of course, they sometimes make laws and they, they don't attach any kind of retribution. You, you know, just to kind of give you something kind of up to date, you see people uh, that are violating American law by coming over the border without permission. And yet there's no, there's no retribution at all. There's no punishment. There's no fine. There's nothing. They're, 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 they're met, they're captured, and then they're released. And a law without, any, without any, any punishment attached to it is toothless. It has no bite at all. And it will not prevent people from, from doing that, that thing, violating that law. But with God, His law has retribution. In His rule of the universe, He has decided what sin, what the punishment for sin is, and nothing will change that. And so, because there is transgression, because there is sin violating God's Word, both big and small, and because there is punishment for that sin, there is opportunity to be forgiven. Now, just stop and think about that. Not everyone who violates God's law and becomes guilty in His sight will endure His punishment. Think about that a minute. Not everyone who violates God's law and is worthy of punishment will endure that punishment because God is a forgiving God. That's amazing. God is inclined to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. He doesn't want to bring the punishment upon us. The punishment is right. It is necessary. It is just. But the Bible says that mercy, what? Finish it for me. Rejoiceth against judgment. That means the mercy of God is glad to step in when judgment is prescribed and deserved. It's an amazing thing. Listen, if you were a Buddhist in Cambodia and you sin, there is no way to make it right. There's no way to be forgiven, and there's no way to have a clean conscience. And listen, I, I'm going off on big-time tangents here, but I'm going to get back to what I want to say. The fact of the conscience, the conscience, that is what we know. The word conscience, con, science, with knowledge. That's what that means. It refers to what we know in our heart. Many of us never really escape the guilt of our sin and what we've done in the past because our conscience is always defiled. God has forgiven us, but our conscience is never clean because our conscience is never cleansed with the knowledge of His forgiveness. We just can't accept that God really has forgiven us, that, that he, has, he has freed us. Let me get back to this. So what does the dictionary say, forgive, what does it mean to forgive? So I'm going to read some of these, make some comments. To forgive means to give up or cease to harbor resentment or wrath. Forgiveness means to remit a debt. And I'll get to that word remit in a minute because that's also in the Bible. To remit a debt, to give up resentment or claim to requital for, to pardon an offense. 
The word remit, I like this word even better, at least the dictionary definition. To remit means to give up, resign, or surrender a right, a claim, or a possession. To relinquish. To pardon means, that's also in there, to pardon means to refrain from exacting or imposing something due, especially a debt, a fine, or a punishment. To remit, which is to give up or resign or surrender, formally a punishment or penalty for an offense. This is amazing. Here's what, here's what that means in our context. That means when God forgives a man or a woman, when God forgives a person, he is acknowledging that you have done wrong. Just like with this lady, it says she had many sins. When God forgives us, he acknowledges that we have done wrong. He rec- he's, he's saying, by forgiving us, he is saying, I know you've done wrong. You are guilty. But I am, I, am, I am surrendering and resigning my right and my claim to give you the punishment that you deserve. I'm giving it up. I am ceasing to harbor any anger against you. I am ceasing to to, to store up wrath against you. I am going to forever refrain from imposing that punishment. You are free. You are free. And in some way, you know, if you have had any conversations with someone that believes a little bit different than us, or someone maybe that's not saved, you've had conversations about this idea of, of free grace, the idea that God forgives someone and it's not contingent upon how good they do or if they keep his, you know, keep his commandments without fail. It's God forgives us freely. And some people will ask and they'll say, well, well, doesn't that just give you a license to sin? Well, that, that's a discussion. It doesn't, but that's a discussion. It certainly didn't give this lady a license to sin when Jesus forgave her and she was a wicked lady. Did she sin? No. What was she found? Where was she found? Well, she was found at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet. So much for license to sin, but but in some way, there's a little bit of truth to that, just a little bit. When God forgives us, his forgiveness is free. He, he forgives us just like this says, just like these, these, uh, these, these, these definitions say. When he forgives us, he relinquishes, the, the, he relinquishes that, that obligation to punish you. And it's not contingent on what you do later. It's not like, it's not like okay, well, I'm going to forgive you now if from now until the day you die, you keep every one of my commandments. Well, that wouldn't leave us much hope, would it? It's not like he for, I'm going to forgive you conditionally. I'm going to forgive you conditionally if you continue to do every single thing that I tell you to do from here on out. Oh, no. His forgiveness is free. And for sure, God knows. God knows that we are imperfect people and we will, given that temptation, stumble and fall again. And yet, knowing that beforehand, He is inclined to forgive us. So his forgiveness is truly free. We, we talked about it this morning. The word frank means free. When, when, when God forgives us, he forgives us freely. He doesn't forgive us because we do good. He forgives us freely by his grace, not by our good works. Either 
past or future. So if you think about it, this is a, this is a pretty amazing thing. When God says, I'm resigning my right to punish you. I'm telling you from here on out, you're never going to be punished. I'm giving up my right to punish you. He knows very well what we're going to do in the future. That's amazing. Look at Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. You're close to there. Verse number 20, uh, verse 17. Luke 5, 17. The Bible says this. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was, was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. A palsy is just paralyzed. That's what that means. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him, bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. I mean, I just picture like a lazy boy, you know, sofa on ropes, you know, it probably wasn't like that, but that's kind of, you know, you see, you see the word couch and laid back. Sorry, my mind wanders. Verse 20. And when, they, when he saw their faith, he said unto, unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this? That's a key, key phrase. If, you, if you're going to mark your Bible, mark that, those three words. Who is this? You remember last time I had the opportunity to preach to you, I, we talked about who Jesus is, the controversy of his identity. Same thing here, watch. Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Good question. Verse 22, But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith uh, unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. The question was this. Jesus says, Jesus says, thy sins be forgiven thee. He didn't tell them to rise and walk at first. He said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they're like, huh, hold on now. Only God can forgive sin. And that's true. That's true. Only God can forgive sin. That's true. So Jesus said, which, one, which is easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee or take up thy couch and rise up and walk. How about you, you, you all answer? Which is easier to say? I've, I've, this is another uh, verse I've been confused by. I've been confused by a long time. He's not talking about what words are easier to say. But if he had said, take up thy bed and, and go to thine house, there would have been no controversy. But the very fact that he said, thy sins be forgiven, he created a controversy. So it would have been easier to say, take up thy bed and, and, and go to thine house, but he chose to say, thy sins be forgiven thee to make a point. And they got it. He said, the reason I said it like that is so that you would know 
that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. And then what did he do? Then he said to the man, Rise up, take up thy, thy bed, and take up, what does it say? Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. He performed a miracle. Now, here's, here's the thing. This is a side note, but here's the thing. Jesus uses this opportunity of the miracle as a sign, as a sign. Does Jesus have power to forgive sin? That's what they didn't know. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. That's what they said, and that's true. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus says, I can forgive sin. No, you can't. I'll prove it. Arise, take up thy couch and go to thine house. And this man who's been a cripple stands up and takes his couch out. Who's going to argue that Jesus can forgive sin? He has just performed a miraculous event, a miraculous healing to show that he does have power. And that brings us back to the first, the first question. Who is this? You know what this is showing? This is showing that he had the full authority and power of God that he had power to forgive sin. As God, he had that power. Now what's amazing is verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now here's the thing. That must have been a comfort to that man, just as it must have been a comfort to this sinful lady that we, that we read about this morning. Because he said the same thing to her. Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? You have never heard Jesus say your sins are forgiven. Like this man and that woman. You've never heard, you've never heard Jesus say this to you. God has never spoken to you audibly and said thy sins are forgiven. But you can know that your sins are forgiven. And what a comfort that would be if you don't know that. What a peace and a calmness. In fact, it will change your life. It will change your relationship with God. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, you'll realize that it's not a matter of your performance. He has already done it. Your service to God is not in order to be forgiven. It's an act of thanksgiving because you have been forgiven. That's in the perfect tense. It's done. You see, everybody, th everybody, a lot of people think that being forgiven by God is a matter of a, a to-do list. And it's not. It's not a to-do list. It's a matter of the grace of God. That God grants, grants it freely. But it is a blessing. And some people, listen, some people are forgiven of their sin by God. God, has, God is not going to render retribution to them. They are free from that. But they don't know it. And so they live in fear and guilt. Not knowing that Jesus has forgiven them. Thinking that the Lord has forgiven, the Lord has forgiven them, but they don't know it. 
Wouldn't it be better to know it and to live like you know it? And to live in the, in the, in the assurance and the peace and the comfort of knowing that God doesn't have it out for you. Listen, if you are saved this morning, this evening, or this morning, because you're, you're still saved, you were saved this morning, you're still saved this evening. I promise you are. If you're saved this evening, I want to remind you of something. God has, does not have it out for you. He's not looking for a way to punish you. He's not looking for a way to judge you. You're on His good side already. That's not going to change. Thy sins are forgiven. Do you believe it? Do you rest in that? I want to make a few points that I have five points I want to make, and I'm going to try to do this fast in four minutes. All right? Number one, forgiveness can only be granted by the party that has been offended. Forgiveness can only be granted by the, by the party that has been offended. We have violated God's law, therefore God is the only one that has power to forgive. And I'm glad that Jesus is God. That's what he was saying. <laughs> he had the power of God, the authority from God. He was the triune God. He had power to forgive sin. That's number one. No one else has the power to forgive your sin. I can't forgive your sin. Pastor Stewart can't forgive your sin. A priest in a booth cannot forgive your sin. No one has power to forgive sin but God, the one who has been offended. Every time you sin, you sin against someone. It's not just about you. Well, if I'm not hurting anyone, what's the harm? You're violating God's law, and He sees it, and you will be held accountable. You see? And so you need His forgiveness. And he is the only one. No one can speak for God and say, oh, it's okay, you're forgiven. God's not going to, God is, has pardoned you and released you from the punishment that you deserve. No one can do that but God himself. That's number one. Number two. Forgiveness is granted freely by grace. Grace, is the, grace could, could be defined as the goodness of God, the, the God's natural inclination for our good, to do good to us. I love that. But, but listen, forgiveness is granted freely. Freely, that means you don't pay. Forgiveness is granted freely by grace, not as a reward for your good works. God does not forgive us because we do good enough to repay our sin. I'm going to say that again. God does not forgive us because we do enough good to repay for our sin. It is a gift. God frees us from the punishment we deserve because He wants to. 
No amount of good works, just like these two men we read this morning, neither one of them paid. They had nothing to pay. Yet they were freed of their debt. The very definition of the word forgive precludes any, any payment. Because it means what? It means to remit a debt, to give up, to resign or surrender a right or a claim to exact punishment. It means to refrain from exacting punishment. In other words, here's what, here's what I'm trying to say. If you have to do good things to get forgiven, if you have to do good things to get forgiven, you're paying for your sin. And if you're paying for your sin, you're, you're actually bearing the punishment. But God doesn't forgive in that way. God forgives freely. It's free for the asking. It's free to the soul who comes to God not doing good works to make up for it, but comes to God humble, contrite, remorseful, repentant, and comes to God in confession and saying, God, I've done wrong, I am wrong, but there is forgiveness with Thee. You're not giving God anything. You're casting yourself upon His goodness. And God says, you know, you're forgiven. David did that after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Nathan came to David and said, thou art the man. And David said, I have sinned. And the next words, Nathan says, thou shalt not die. The next word. David said, I have sinned. And the next, the next sentence was, thou shalt not die. Thou are forgiven. You're forgiven. You're not going to get the punishment. God forgave him. Just like that. It's amazing. See, God doesn't, get, God doesn't, uh, God doesn't uh, forgive us in this free way to give us a license to sin. He wants us to stand in awe of His goodness. Somebody's not happy. Sounds like it's coming through the sound system. <laughs> oh, it's Victor. I didn't realize that. It's okay, it's okay. I wasn't pointing him out. I, I literally thought it was coming from somewhere right here. Number three. Ultimate forgiveness is contingent upon Christ's blood shed, being shed for the redemption of mankind. Ultimately, and you'll see what I mean when I say ultimately in a minute. Ultimately, the only reason God forgives us is because a punishment has been given for our sin. Okay, let's look at a few verses here uh, quickly. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. We're at the Last Supper. Matthew 26, verse 28. says this. Jesus says to His disciples at the Last Supper... This is my blood, for this is the, my blood of the New Testament. Look at what it says. Which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The word remission means forgiveness. It's the same word. We saw it in the dictionary definition. It's the same. Okay? Pardon, forgiveness. The Bible says Jesus' blood, even at the Last Supper, as He held that, that, uh, that fruit of the vine, 
He said, this, symbolically, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission, the forgiveness of sin. That's why his blood was shed, so that forgiveness could be obtained justly. Okay? Now, notice the word many. Some people like to use that word many and say not all. But it doesn't say many, not all. It says many. All right? If you're a, some of you know what I'm talking about in the Calvinist idea. They, a Calvinist, a person who does not believe that Jesus died for everyone, will look at that word and say, see, it doesn't say he died for all. It says he died for many. That means not all. Actually, it just means a lot. And if Jesus died for everybody, that's a lot. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse number 7. It says this, In whom, in Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is what, what is called a a, a parallelism or a, an infa, like a, a, a reiteration, okay? It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, and then it says, as if to reiterate what's talking about, the forgiveness of sin. So redemption and forgiveness go together. But notice the means by which that's accomplished. How are people redeemed? How are people forgiven? Through his blood. Without the blood of Christ being shed on the cross, there is no way to be forgiven. Look at Colossians chapter number 1. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1 verse number 14. It's almost the same words. In whom we have redemption, Jesus, in, in His dear Son, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We are forgiven upon the basis of Jesus' blood. Had His blood not been shed, there would be no way for God to rightly and justly forgive sinners. You, you get that? Had Jesus not taken our place and suffered the punishment that was deserved of us, there would be no way for Him to justly forgive us. Because we committed the crime. We deserve the punishment. God's law prescribed the punishment. And the only way He could forgive us rightly is if there was someone to take our place. And that's where the blood of Jesus comes in. So this is the reason the Bible says that when we get saved, we put our faith in His blood. Right? We're trusting that His punishment, uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ suffered in the passion, His suffering, He did for us, and His blood shed was for us, and it is sufficient. It is the grounds by which we can be made right with God and by which God can release us from punishment. And so, God, when we come to Christ and we trust in Him and we trust in His blood, He says, I will never punish you for the sins you've committed. I have relinquished that right. It's amazing upon the basis of the blood of Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. 
verse number 22. Hebrews 9, 22 says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no what? And that means forgiveness, right? Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, some of you that are thinking might be thinking this. Well, what about the people that Jesus forgave and that were forgiven maybe in the Old Testament before Jesus died on the cross? I am so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. How could they, you just said, they can't, the only way to be forgiven is on the basis and the grounds of Jesus' blood, but Jesus hadn't come yet. So how could they be forgiven? Believe it or not, the Lord has an answer. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Verse 24. says this, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. Propitiation. That's the sacrifice that satisfies the wrath of God, the punishment. To be a propitiation through faith in His blood. That's what I just got done saying. To declare His righteousness for the remission, which means, come on now, forgive to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Forbearance meaning God endured and, and was patient. Here's what that's saying simply. God forgave people in the Old Testament through His forbearance. In other words, He was patient with them and He forgave them knowing that the sacrifice and His blood, that's Jesus, would be shed in a time to come. And so God, thinking ahead, forgave them on that basis, the sins that were past, knowing that there would come a day when Jesus would come and that, that forgiveness He gave them would be legal. See what I'm saying? All right, look, one more verse here. Uh, look at back at Hebrews chapter 9. We were just in Hebrews, I apologize, but let's go back to chapter 9, verse number 15. Verse 14, rather. says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, Hebrews 9, 14, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience. Listen. The guilt that Christians, I'm talking about believers, bear not knowing that God has forgiven them is often because of their conscience has not been freed. It's not that God hasn't forgiven them. It's that they do not know that, do not believe that. And so they live in fear and guilt about the sins they've committed. Has God really forgiven me? Is He going to come and get me? But the blood of Jesus and the knowledge of what that blood has done will cleanse your conscience. It's amazing so that we can live in the freedom of knowing that we have been freed from the punishment we have we deserve that God has forgiven us it's amazing 
from dead works to serve the living God, verse 15, and for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for... Now, now, now follow, I know this is getting deep here a little bit, but, but look at what it says. That by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. That's talking about the Old Testament. In other words, that's like David and Abraham and, and Moses and all those people. For the redemption... We talked about the connection between redemption through the blood of Christ and forgiveness. The redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. So God is bringing up these, all of these sins that have been committed under the Old Testament that God forgave. And then he says, now Jesus came and he died for all sinners. And so that those people and their transgressions can be rightly put away forever. So there's your answer. Number four. There is no forgiveness apart from Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The blood of Christ is necessary. We must believe it. There is no way to be forgiven without Jesus. Anybody who dies in their sin without Christ anywhere on earth, no matter their religion, their language, their culture, anybody who dies as a sinner, and that's everybody, will be justly punished for their sin without Christ. He is the only means for forgiveness. There is no other way. I'm going to read you a verse from Acts chapter 9. I just I know I've been long and I don't, I don't want to take longer than is necessary. Acts chapter 10, I'm sorry. Peter says to Cornelius, verse 43 says this, Acts chapter 10 verse 43, To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive what? Remission of sins. Remission means forgiveness. But notice how it comes. Believing in Christ. There's no other way. So that means if a man is a sinner, and, and we all are, and has transgressed God's law, and we all have, and, and, and we die, God is going to render just retribution and punishment for us and what we've done. That's scary. That's the lake of fire. He's going to judge every man according to his works. But anyone who believes in Christ, that is, trusts in him and his blood, we just read that, right? Is totally freed from that punishment. Amazing. I keep on saying that. It's amazing. It's that easy? Yes! It's that easy! <laughs> it's that easy, Robert. It's that easy. It's that simple. Right? There's nothing else to it. There's no other words to say. Just that, period, done. Full stop. 
And the last thing I want to say is number five. God's forgiveness of us is both the example and basis upon which we must forgive others who have wronged us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. What does it say? Forgiving one another. What's the basis? What's the reason? Even as God, for Christ's... Notice that. We just got done saying that, right? For Christ's sake. What does that mean? God forgives us not just willy-nilly. God forgives us because of what Jesus did for us. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So here's the question. Here's the thing. We forgive others who have wronged us. And we release them from the demand that they make it right. Because we know that we have been released from God's demand that we be punished. So here's the test. And I've seen this. I've seen this vividly, okay? Vividly. When someone has wronged us, and a lot of people have been wronged, and sometimes the wrongs that we have suffered are grave and serious. Sometimes they're not little things that you can just, you know, no big deal. Sometimes they're things that that harm us for our whole life. And they'll never be fixed, and we know it. But God still wants us to forgive them. But here's the thing. It's difficult sometimes to forgive people that wrong us in that way. It is. But here's the question you can ask yourself to test that. Forgiveness means to resign or surrender, give up the right of retribution. Right? To give up the right and to relinquish the right and to to cease to demand a punishment. So the way you can kind of test yourself to see if you've actually forgiven someone is to look at your heart and ask yourself, do I want harm to come to them as a, as a punishment for what they did to me? Do I want something bad to happen to them? Or do I not want something to come upon them? That's a good little test, a practical test that you can look at your own heart and say, have I forgiven them? Now you forgiving someone on the basis of Christ forgiving you is not going to make everything better. <laughs> but it'll make you right with God. It'll make you right with God. And that's the most important thing. And then God's grace will help you little by little, step by step, as you need it, to deal with the rest of it. But it's a good test. Have I forgiven them? So we don't forgive people because they pay us back or do right or get... That's not, that's not the grounds for... In some way, it parallels God forgiving us. God forgives us on the basis of Christ and then we forgive others on the basis of Christ forgiving us. So that's a brief study of 
forgiveness in the Bible. Uh, spurred by the, the study of this, this, this lady, this sinful lady who had been forgiven by Jesus. I hope it's been a blessing. Let's pray.